Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! 5-1 the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. They win the World Series 4 games to 1. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? Man, welcome to episode three of an unofficial Red Sox podcast, the pesky podcast. I am the Rit, and here with me is my co-host, D.C. Derek Cartwright. What's going on, D.C.? How you doing? What's up, buddy? Excited for the weekend. Glad to be off work, you know? Oh, the man. Vibe. Hey, 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 excited to be off work, but the grind still goes. You know, we're doing a podcast is a six-day-a-week job. Seven if you're not watching any games, which is just not fun. Man, we're, we're in the middle of spring training, undefeated. Man, this train is just moving right along. We, we, we can't lose. Yeah, if we ain't losing, we're tying. So I'll take it, man. Especially in uh, uh, spring training. Yeah, hey, we have to get look at a lot of uh, young arms. Got to look at a lot of young talent going on. But man, for first two episodes dropped. They're doing really well. Uh, episode three is just gonna get bigger and better. So uh, hey, let's get started. So we got a we got a first we got a battle at first base coming into spring training and uh Tristan Casas Throbby D Bobby Dahlbeck which one do you want to sit there and take the pros and the cons for uh what's uh let's start let's start with Casas okay Tristan Casas man he's he's the the future of first base for the Boston Red Sox, they're high on this kid. Uh, man, spring training, he's doing really well so far. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to sit there and head on over to Twitter here, and we're going to check check out a little quote from uh, my man Tristan. Tristan Cassis' ex- expectations for his first – season into bigs he quotes i think i'm the best i've ever felt athletically physically mentally i'm in the best shape i've ever been in and i think my skills match up with anybody at first base the kid does not lack any confidence what are your thoughts on on him about saying that i like it um 
I'm sure he probably turned a couple heads, you know, saying he's better than anybody else as far as first base. But um, you need that confidence when you're playing in Boston. Uh, so I actually, I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, talk about it, but be about it, though. So he needs to back this up, you know, into the season. And I think he will. Yeah. Uh, hey, Tristan's been doing a lot of head turning so far in spring training here. You know, people sit there and, and wanted to bring up talking about him painting his nails, uh, his his pre-game uh, ritual, you know, that he had last year. Uh, well, what are your what are your thoughts and opinions on that? On his nails and just the the pre-game ritual. Yeah. I mean, I'll be frank with you, man. I don't give a fuck if you paint your nails, your toenails, your goddamn face. If you hit bombs, I love you. I could give two fucks. <laughs> Exactly. To be frank. That, that, hey, that's my opinion too. Uh, pre-game ritual, you know, a, a lot of people in the locker room and said you have to get to know the personality uh, to know, you know, him. Uh, some people sit there and said uh, they, they thought it was kind of uh, a, an ego thing, you know, walking around with no shirt on, sunbathing in the outfield. But uh, hey. Whatever it takes, you know, yeah, you're in the bigs. But in my opinion is, if that's your, your ritual and that's what gets you your mindset going to continuously hit bombs, hit the ball, put it in play, then, you know, why not? Uh, you know, he, he got well, – there was rumor on tw- – uh, I read on Twitter from uh, one of the reporters saying that one of the starting pitchers uh, didn't really care for it too much and kind of pulled him to the side. So well, what are your thoughts then? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not with the, uh, the unwritten rules of the game. Um, I think with all the changes and it's driven by young players. So let them do what they do. You know what I mean? If, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if that's what he's done, you know, throughout his playing days and through the minors, then I don't see an issue with it. Um, I think it might have just been blown up a little more than it really was in the media. I mean, I, Alex Cora did comment on it, said there was some, uh, not necessarily growing pains, but there was adjustments that needed to be made. I think if he he comes out and he hits 30 home runs and that's 260, 270, they're going to let him do it. It doesn't, you know what I mean? I, I just think the clubhouse was kind of in turmoil already last year with a bunch of stuff that I, I don't think that really came out. Um, I think it's a non-issue. I think if he performs, I don't, I don't really care what he does before the game. You want to sing the ABCs in the outfield, man, do it. As long as you're hitting bombs, like I said earlier, it's not a big deal. The young, the young players fuel this game. So eventually they're going to be the vets, you know, let them do what he does. Hey, uh, I love how the game is evolving. The game is changing. Uh, man, our man Jared Carabas always sits there and, and talks about bat flips, you know, when you're hitting bombs. Man, let them have fun, you know. L- let them be them as long as they are not putting a bad reputation on the game, on the team, on the organization. Let them have fun, you know. Uh, from kids in T-ball to little league, you know, high school, man, I, I understand that, you know, you got to sit there and have a sports etiquette, you know, show uh, sportsmanship. 
But if you're not having fun while you're doing it, then what's the point of playing? Exactly. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Shout out Jared Carabas. He's actually uh, probably my 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 favorite writer in sports, to be honest with you. Um, so shout out to him. But I agree with him, man. Let the bat flips go. It adds excitement to the game. We want to bring in fans, then that's the way to do it. That's what these kids these days like. Uh, but I'm, I just don't, I don't really care about the off field stuff or even like the rituals. As long as you're performing and you're doing your job, you're showing up every day, you're making the workouts, you're putting the work in and the tee and the batting cages. I think that's all irrelevant at that point. Exactly. So uh, let's go, let's go to the other side of first base. Throbby D, Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, let's sit there and man, let's, uh, Got a little thing from Twitter over here. Bam. Sean McAdams sit there and reports. Bobby Dahlback hit a ball and BP that cleared the fence and struck a boy in his stomach. ENTs arrived to attend to him and brought him over to meet Dahlbeck, who gave him a signed ball. Man, could you imagine batting practice? You're out there watching, and all of a sudden you get hit drilled in the stomach by a home run by Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, that'd be wild, man. I, <laughs> I'm i not trying to, to, you know, shit on the little kid, but I hope he was at least not looking and it hit him. Because yeah. he was staring at a ball coming right at you and it hit you in the stomach. <laughs> no, man. that's that's something he'll never forget. I mean, it sucks that he – I'm glad he's okay. He obviously looks okay in the picture. But um, yeah, that's a cool moment for him. He'll never forget that. And honestly, probably make Bobby Dahlbeck his favorite player. Uh, exactly. Uh, I met Bobby Dahlbeck last year when he was down in Triple uh, uh, A when he got sent down. Uh, man, he sat there and he had three home runs that game. And it was against the Rail Riders. Got him signed my jersey. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's, one, it's one of my two signed jerseys I have. And I already have a Bobby Dahlbeck uh, signed bat, you know. Sign ball. The dude, the, the dude, this in spring training, he's amazing at. If he can just transfer that to the regular season, man, he, he could definitely be be a battle at first base. He can definitely make the roster, opening day roster, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, the stats are there, you know. We'll, we'll, what are your thoughts? As far as the first base, uh, what can I get? I'll just kind of put it all together. I'll bring in Dalbeck and Cassis and just give you my what I would do if I was the, the manager. On paper, and honestly, even through this point of the spring training, I think Cassis is the uh, number one option at first base. I think Dalbeck is a perfect bench player. Um, with the versatility of the lineup, we can move him in third base, first base, you know, DH. So he's just, if he's on the bench, it doesn't necessarily mean he's always going to be on the bench. Um, they're both, they're both doing really well in uh, spring training. Cassis, I believe is three for nine with a home run and four RBIs. Dalbeck is four for nine, three doubles and a home run. Um, and I think he has like two RBIs or something like that. Yeah, that's good to see. Uh, I, I would go Cassis. I just, Dalbeck makes me nervous as far as the longevity of a season. He did well 2020, shortened season. I believe it was his rookie year. He came up, he he knocked a decent amount of home runs in a short amount of time. And then 21 and 22 have been kind of, eh. Um, 
But I would go Cassis and then Dalbeck on the, off the bench. And then, you know, you can move him around a third and DH. But I'd definitely go – I'm going Cassis. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, I'm with with you all the way there. Uh, go, go a little deeper in the stats. Uh, they both got nine at-bats. They both got one home run apiece. Uh, Dalbeck has the 444 batting average. Cassis has the 333. Uh, Dalbeck has two ribbies. Cassis has four. Dahlbeck struck out four times, and that is is what made me take uh, Cassis over him just because Cassis only struck out twice, so he has a little more uh, plate discipline, and he's able to at least put the ball in the, in the play a little bit. Uh, OPS, 500 for Dahlbeck, 333 for Cassis. Dahlbeck has one wall, Cassis has none. So uh, the biggest thing that, that got me there is – Dahlbeck's been in the majors now for uh, just going on his third season. Uh, he doesn't have that plate discipline yet. Like w- when he makes contact, he put it goes. But man, you you can't sit there and be striking out four times out of nine at bats. That's that can't help your team out whatsoever. No, um, that's been one of the biggest things with him, especially last year. There was a lot of times where he came up to the plate at a big moment late in the game, and he just – he struck out. He, he strikes out too much, uh, in my opinion. I know that's kind of like the, the norm in this game. It's low batting average, high strikeouts, you know, for the hitters. But we don't – we can't afford that this year. We need consistent consistency after the – you know, out of first base. And I just don't think he can do it for a full year. I, I could very well be wrong. Um, I want him to succeed, obviously. But I need to see something else, you know, see some more out of him. And I just think – I think, you know, maybe coming off the bench and, you know, being in a utility role in his third and fourth year, uh, I think that would kind of light a fire under his ass. And I don't know. I just, his strikeouts are just a little concerning. And just the, he doesn't really have too much discipline up there. Man, over the years, we've had some great people uh, that came off the bench in in big situations. Mitch Moreland, Travis Shaw. Like Steve they, Pierce. Yeah, Steve Pierce. They, they were all able to come off the bench in high situations and come through. I I I don't see Bobby Dahlbeck being able to do that. Like you, you what situation are you gonna bring him in? You know, bottom of the ninth, uh you have runners in scoring position, you know, two outs. And do you put in Bobby Dahlbeck? You know? I, I don't know. I don't I don't see that. I don't either. No, I agree. Um, yeah, I I don't have too much faith in him, and I hate to say that because, honestly, the last two years I've been very, very excited for him. Um, he just kind of let us down. A great person, great personality. You know, the, the city of Boston loves this guy. It's just Bobby's got to put it, all the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much else to say other than that. Which really sucks because I mean I have been high on him for years and um, I'm really hoping he puts it together this year and I, I think there's a possibility but he's got to cut down on his strikeouts um, he's got to work the count a little bit better in his favor I think he's a little too aggressive sometimes early in the count when he doesn't need to be but uh, I agree so let's sit there and go uh, right to the next topic. 
opening day starting lineup. I know uh, I, I know Alex Cora has been talking off and on about, okay, I, I want to do this. Now he's backpedaling a little bit with Yoshida. Uh, he, he said that uh, Turner is always going to uh, probably follow Devers. But then the following day, uh, Yoshida w- was uh, batting first. Uh, Devers was following uh, Turner. So pretty much Alex Cora is just throwing everything out there, trying to find the perfect lineup. So opening day, March 30th, Baltimore Orioles. We're going to go back and forth, kind of like we did for the starting rotation, like we did on episode two. We're going to go who's batting leadoff. I'll let you, DC, start it off. Yeah, so before the reports came out of uh, AC's comments about Yoshida, I would honestly have him slotted in leadoff. Um, but for this one, after hearing that, I'm going to go Kike, number one. Oh, yes, Kike. You're going to go ah. Kike. Shout out, Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go leadoff with a guy that I'm, I'm, I'm high on this year. He's going to put it all together. We're going to give me, give me number 99. Verdugo. <laughs> I, see, I, I see the upside with Verdugo leading off to where he can start the game off really well. He's, he has uh good speed to get on base, but also he could be like Mookie Betts was and, you know, Open the open the game up with a home run. I I see that for from Verdugo. He's going to put it all together. He's going to be the opening day start number one. Number two, I'll go first. We're gonna we're gonna go with uh, Rafi Scoops. We're gonna go Devers number two. It, it's gonna be the only time back to back lefties. Okay. I, I also have Devers as number two. I, 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 I want him to bat third. To be honest with you, I, I, I'm with the whole old school thinking where you have your best hitter as a number three hitter, kind of like David Ortiz was in the early 2000s, all the way through his career. Um, I think he'd be better in the third spot, but you get him in the two spot, he's going to get a couple extra abs than he would in three. Not too many more, but get some more opportunities. He can kind of set the table in number two more than he would be able to in three to start off the game. But yeah, I have him as, I have him as number two in my lineup as well. Nice. Uh, number three, who do you got? Number three, I have Justin Turner. I think, uh, I think he will follow Devers in the lineup. Um, he's a vet guy. He can protect him a lot better. I think with comfort, you could be a lot more comfortable with him being a vet protecting him until you see what, the younger guys can do throughout the season if you want to move any you know do any adjustments to the lineup move anybody up or down um but i'm gonna go justin turner for number three in the lineup that is also who i have uh i have him because he's very patient at the bat uh he won't sit there and strike out very often so you gotta pitch to him because say you got verdugo endeavors on base already you know you can't you can't walk him so absolutely I also have Turner following Devers at number three. Number four, I've got Yoshi, Yoshida, batting cleanup. 
just because that is where he's comfortable at. He did it in Japan. Uh, so far in spring training, he just smashes the ball. And he's the doubles machine. Uh, he's going to be really familiar with the green monster. And he also can pull the ball the other way when need to. So I have him being the complete package at number four. And I actually, I do have I have Yoshi as well as number four. Uh, I, before the comments, I would have put him in weed off, but uh, I think he'll be, I think he'll be slotted in number four, maybe number five, but I definitely think you got to put him in at least the middle. You got to have his bat in there as much as possible. Exactly. Uh, number five, who do you have? So number five, I have uh, Adam Duvall. Okay. I think uh, with his power, um, he won't hit a high average, but I think that's a perfect spot for him. Hopefully the guys ahead of him can get on base. I think he, uh, I think he does very well this year. I think he, uh, I think he put some hole in the monsters or put some holes in the monsters. Sorry. Uh, I have another patient, uh, dis- a, a very good pay- plate disciplined guy. Uh, I have Tristan Casas at number five. You know, uh, he can he he can hit the ball and play, uh, but he also be patient and get on base and take that walk. Uh, it's gonna be a little harder to strike him out, and you. Don't want to sit there and have to worry about trying to pitch around them because afterwards, my number six guy is Duvall. So I I kind of did it a little differently. Uh, I have Duvall kind of protecting Cassis to let him see those balls a little bit more. Where Duvall, if you make a mistake, Cassis gets on the uh, on base. Duvall's going to make you pay for it. So I have Duvall at number six. All right, number six for me, I actually have uh, your boy Verdugo. That's where I have him. Um, I I need to see I need to see a consistent bat through you know through the whole season for him to even think about moving him up. I know we differ opinions on him. I uh, I know he was hurt last year. That played a lot into his uh, numbers, but um. Being the main piece of the Mookie Betts deal, I need for my heart. I need to see more out of him. I know he wants to succeed. I know he wants to play, be in Boston, which is awesome. But I need this. I need to see it all come together. So I have him at six, which isn't really a bad spot to be in, to be honest with you, in this lineup. No, no, d- definitely. Uh, you know, for the same reasons I'm putting the ball at six, as you're putting uh, Verdugo at six. Absolutely. So. And then number uh, seven. I actually have Tristan Cassis. So I, I think eventually midseason, I think he'll, he, he's going to move up. I think he'll be a number five hitter, maybe bump down Duvall or Verdugo, depending if anybody else is struggling. I I just don't think Alex Cora is going to put him in the middle of the lineup right away, maybe kind of ease him into it. I could be wrong. I, I, I think he's going to have an excellent year. Um, but uh, I think he goes in. I, I think me personally, I would put him at number seven, see what he can do, get him comfortable. I know he was up last year for a little bit, but uh, it's a different game when you kind of you go in for the full season. So I'm just we'll see what happens with that. I got it number seven, Arroyo. Uh, just because I love his bat, uh, I really hope he he gets he stays healthy and he's able to produce because when he was healthy last year, he put up some great numbers. We went over the numbers uh, in the year before. Weeks ago. Yeah. So when he's healthy, he's he, he's a solid, solid hitter. So 
I really hope that his bat and his glove are there for us. Give me at least 135 games. I'm not asking for much. This is a small 135. And I really think that that this lineup, top to bottom, that they all are producing, you can't try to bat around anybody. And Arroyo is just, just like the rest of them. When he's hot, he's hot. So that's who I have at number seven. Number eight, I got McGuire. I I, I think that, that he could sit there and produce and drive in runs from the end of the lineup. Uh, you got a lot of people that can get on base in front of him. And for the small sample size last year, he in 36 games, he batted 333 with three home runs, 12 RBIs. So in a small sample size, I see it happening where he can do damage in the back of our lineup. Yeah, I mean, he showed he could hit when he got traded over to us. Um, for number eight, I actually I have Christian Arroyo. Uh, I think it, it all comes down to health with him. Two years ago, I mean, when we made it to the ALCS, he um, he had a lot of timely hits throughout the season, and uh, he got hurt a couple times. And he was he honestly would have put a very very good season together as far as a utility role. Um, I'm excited to see what he could do with a full season of health. Uh, One thirty five, I think, is obtainable, but I. I I wouldn't be surprised if he played like 100 or 120 just by the, the track record. But if he does play a whole season, that's not a bad number eight hitter to have. Exactly. And like we discussed in uh, last week's episode, he doesn't have to play the field every game. We can slide him into that D8 spot, give him, give him a day or two rest. And maybe that's what can help him stay healthy this season. Yeah, I mean, because we, we have Mondesi on the bench, he can come in for second base, give uh, Justin Turner, uh, you know, a break and throw a Royal and a DH there. Like, we have a lot of versatility as far as that, um, which is good because, as we said numerous times in the last two episodes and today, it all boils down to health. So we need that versatility and the ability to kind of shift things around. Okay, number nine. Number nine, I have McGuire. Uh, or slash Alfaro, I think, when he takes over the uh, the starting job throughout the season. Number and nine. And with that said, actually, I apologize really quick. Oh, go um, ahead. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Connor Wong actually uh, injured his hamstring. So that could be that could be very that, crucial in the catcher position battle that we talked about, you know, last show. So um, I think that kind of solidifies McGuire and, and Alfaro. Like I said, we don't know how serious it is yet, but hamstrings aren't fun, especially not early in spring training. And especially not for being a catcher either. Yeah. So, in number nine, I've got my man Kike. So, he's, he's going to add as the uh, the number nine hitter to his resume. Yeah. I mean, it would be a bad number nine hitter to have. It, I think, exactly. Uh, I think he comes out, and I think he breaks this year. Um, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with that. So... Okay, those are nine. We can have 13 batters on our opening day roster. 13 pitchers, 13 batters. We already got nine spots. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Let's go back and forth. Who else are you bringing for the bench? Um, bringing Mondesi. 
Um, oh, is, is he going to be available for opening day, though? If he's healthy, I'm bringing Mondesi. Okay. I would... Uh, that would be my... That would be my choice. Probably number one. I think he's our one of our most valuable. Uh, Ref Snyder, obviously. He uh, he proved he can play, and he loves Boston. I like him a lot. Dalbeck, I think, obviously, you, you can't send him down. I think you got to keep him up in the majors. I think he's done everything he can in the, in the minors. So you got to keep him up there. So that's 12, I believe. And then Alfaro, obviously. We need a catcher on the bench. So I'm going to go Mondesi, uh, Ref Snyder, Dalbeck, and um, Alfaro. Okay, I'm going to go... Alfaro, opening day. Here, here be, here be there sitting on the bench. I'm going to go also. Um, Ref Snyder. I'm going to go. Man. Uh, what what what's the guy's name? The, the no 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 the the Japanese guy we signed because I don't uh, think Monty's I don't think Monty's gonna be ready. The Chang. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think Monty's gonna be ready, so he's nah, gonna be he's, our. He's probably gonna be a month or two before he gets in. Now that I'm reading about it. And then uh, I'm going to be with you with the, with Dahlbeck for now. Yeah, I, like I said, I think he's done everything he can in the minors. Keep him up in the majors. Yeah. Give him the bats because he's going to get up bats. That, there, there's one guy that we're going we're gonna to sit there and talk about a little bit later. That I he might be I, yeah. really clo- he might be really close getting in. He might be really cl- like he's got one heck of a case. He, he's got one heck of a case why he deserves to be on the opening day roster. And he's got all of OJ's lawyers ready to present that thing. <laughs> Shapiro. Oh, man. But uh, right there, we definitely sit there. and Both of our lineups have slight similarities. They also have slight differences. But I think either one, one through nine, we got a very solid lineup either way. Yeah, comes down to health and it just comes down to the young guys performing. And then obviously Yoshida, see how he uh, he adjusts to uh, major league pitching. And I think he'll put it together. But yeah, a lot of question marks. But um, best case scenario, man, we can we can make a run. Uh, but uh, man, one thing I loved watching and loved listening to in spring training is I love I love listening to the players being mic'd up. Like it, it brings a different a different uh, level to the game. You get to see the personalities where you really normally wouldn't. But uh, w- w- what are your thoughts on uh, Mike Up? I love Mike Up. Uh, I I've loved it since the NFL did you know did their thing with it. I wish the MLB would do a lot more. I know they've been doing a lot with it the last two years. I believe with Sunday Night Baseball they get they get one guy. So do an interview during uh, in the dugout and then out in the field. Uh, I think that's really cool. And then what they do at the All Star Game while they're batting, they do it or they're pitching. 
but even like now they're bringing in the spring training it just adds a lot it just it makes it easier for the fans to connect with the players on a personal level they see a side of them that they don't really know you know what i mean we see them in their competitive nature on the field we don't really know how they are off the field you look at chris sale i love him to death but if you're playing against him he looks like one of the biggest assholes ever to play against but that's what you want on your team but he also strikes me as a really good dude in the off in the clubhouse i remember there was a story last year the year before when he did a uh um rehab stint in the minors and he uh pretty sure he played for the, or paid for them all to fly private and then bought them all dinner and all that when he was you know with the team so it, it's just cool to see and hear them you know interact with each other in a different light that we're never we never were able to see so it's cool to see that um so I just think it adds fun to the game. We're trying to build the game, obviously, you know, get younger fans. And I think that's the way to do it, especially in this day and age of social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that stuff. So I think it's cool as hell. Yeah, uh, man, being mic'd up last year, uh, that's actually how uh, my fiance went and was like, man, that Christian Arroyo guy, I, I-, I kind of like him. You know, he's got he's got personality. And, I, and and then I looked at her. I was like, wait, what? Like. How do you know? And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm sitting here like watching a game because you know, she watches w- with her daughter and stuff because her daughter's a huge Red Sox fan now. Huge Red Sox oh, yeah. fan. You know, the fiance, not so much because, well, I, I can't even get her to listen to this podcast. Listen so, to the podcast. But uh, but no, she's like, man, no, like they had him mic'd up and and he has some great personality. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, because everybody, especially, okay, last year, you got Xander Bogarts, JD, you know, Devers, Vasquez was over there. It's like, man, like, okay, your favorite guy is Arroyo. I'm like, okay, you know, you can't, I can't sit there and and say that you're. You know, oh, you only like this guy because he's, you know, the face of the. No, he, she she likes one of the everyday players that just grind. Yep. Now it's cool. So, as well. yeah. So let's uh let's take a take a little look at a a little segment of mic'd up. And Durant looks like a free safety. Durant, how do we feel about WBC? Are we excited to play for Team Mexico? What's your favorite lift to do in the gym? Biceps? Bicep curl? Biceps and triceps. Oh, couldn't tell. How many how much gold is in it? Have you not seen like the jewelers when they sell like all those chains? Yeah, like all together? Yeah. Walking back. I got hooked up to Paul Wall and then like I got You know Paul Wall? Well yeah, but then I got connected to Johnny Dan. Paul Wall still made music? Does he? Rob rob the jewelry store and tell him make me a grill. <laughs> what it do, baby? It's the ice man. Oh wow. Got my mouth looking something do, like baby? a disco ball. Then we're going to this field. We got play a little catch, some ground balls. Excited to get back on the field and compete. It's always good to see the guys again, too. So we got a lot of historical players that have come through here and a lot of sick alumni. So PD's here today. Pretty cool fitting the PD. <laughs> Thanks, PD. Appreciate it. Good job, boys. Good job. Man, I, I love that. 
Yeah, it's man. cool as hell, man. It's just cool to see, you know, them all interact together, like I said. This brings a different light to the game. Shows that they're yeah. actually people, too. They're not just, you know, players that go out there to play a game. They they have lives as well. Personalities, everything. Yeah, and, and, and man, I, I loved how he was like, man, I get, I, get, I get to turn a double play with Petey, you know, in spring trading. It's like, man. Like that—that's stuff that you can only sit there and dream of. Sometimes, you know, it, like Petey's just down there with with him. Like Ortiz was supposed to show up, I think, today or tomorrow. Like, man, like the Sox are one of the few teams that I know that the the alumni are part of the organization for life. You know, Pedro's there, Ortiz is there all the time. Veritex part of the team. Uh, you know, Petey's there when when he needs to, cause you know, cause the connection he has with AC. Yeah, that's gotta be cool. Um, I mean, you look at Verdugo the first time he met David Ortiz, it's like a goddamn little kid, which is cool to see. So I can only imagine, like, I mean, these are major league baseball players that are starstruck by guys that are spending time going back to help their old organization. So that's gotta mean a lot to them. It's just, it's really awesome to see them, you know given the guidance, given their insight, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, man, uh, I want more mic'd up, man. Uh, Absolutely. But be, being a catcher, like when I played a little bit, man, mic up a catcher. Cause, cause I don't know if they could though. Uh, cause when I was a catcher, I used to talk crap. I used to talk crap all the time to the batters. So I, I would love to sit there here, catcher mic'd up. Just to see and hear what he sits there and says to the batters, you know what I mean. I wonder if they would even like. That'd be cool to see. Like I would love to see that, but I don't know if Major League Baseball would want that because that way you'd be hearing a lot of the insight from the umpire and what they're saying. And I don't know, maybe they don't want that out. I could be wrong though, because there has been times where managers were mic'd up and you, you heard. I think it was Terry Collins a couple years ago when he was the Mets uh, manager. He was mic'd up and he got an argument, and got thrown out, which was really cool to see. But you don't see it too often. So I wonder if that's something that the MLB kind of like just nixes right away. And they're like, nah, you guys can mic anybody else up there and, you know, the Sunday night games, but probably stay away from catchers. But I, I don't see why that would be an issue during spring training, though. Yeah. So uh, last topic before we uh, answer a couple questions that got sent out to us. The 2023 ALE standings. We're going to do right. it a little differently this time. We're going to start in the basement and work our way up. All right. Okay. I'm going to surprise I'll, people with this list. I'm going to start it out. Last place in the AL East. A record of 77 and 85. The Tampa Bay Rays. I have Tampa Bay in the basement as well for the AL East. And I have them at 82 and 80. Ooh. Okay. Num number four. I'll let you go. Number four. I have the Baltimore Orioles at 87 and 75. Ooh. I also have Baltimore at 84 and 78. Okay. What do you got for three? Number three, I told you before, I've told you a million times. I even told you when it was predicted the record. 86-76, our 
Boston Red Sox. I have Boston as well, and I have them going 91 and 71. Ooh, okay. Number two, who do you have? I have the New York Yankees going 93 and 69. Oh, so really close to the Red Sox. Yep. I also have the Yankees. For that. I know that, but. I also have the Yankees at 92 and 70. Okay. And that means. We're, we're one game off on that one. That means overall, the Toronto Blue Jays will take the AL East at 100 wins, 62 losses. Obviously, I have Toronto as well. I have them at 96 wins, 66 losses. Man. Okay, okay. Between first and fourth, what what's the games behind right there? Because it's they're all really close. So Toronto, obviously in first, and then Yankees three games behind, the Red Sox five games behind, and uh, the Orioles will be, I projected, nine games behind in fourth place. Wow, that's that's pretty close. I have uh, uh, I have I have a lot of uh, I mean I have all the teams winning at least eighty two games. I know that's pretty uh, pretty bold, but that division's unreal. Um, Tampa Bay. They, they've shown that, you know, they might not be the, the best talent, but they, they put it together. They have a great manager. They have a great front office. They know how to put the pieces where they need to go. Um, they don't have the, you know, that superstar, I would say. I mean, Wando Franco is, he, I think he's unfairly overrated at this point. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be amazing. But I think a lot of people expect too much out of him. I have a lot of, I've heard a lot of people read a lot of stuff on Twitter that, you know, he's kind of, He's not what they thought he was, and I think he's only 22 at this point. You know what I mean? He's got plenty of time. I think he he puts it all together this year. But um, yeah, I and Baltimore, their their young guys coming up are unreal. Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, Ali Rushman put it. You know, came up last year. He's going to be a force behind the plate for years to come. He hits for average. Uh, he'll hit you the 20 home runs. And then obviously you have New York. You know what they can do as far as offensively. They got Aaron Judge. I just I don't really trust their pitching. That's why I kind of put them in second place and not too far over Boston, even though Boston has a lot of questions. But Toronto, I think, is hands down the most talented team in that division. You look at their lineup, it's it's from top to bottom. You know what I mean? Um, rotations there. So that's that's kind of where my head was at when I was kind of doing these putting them together. Man, uh, I'm right with you, but I'm not as worried about New York Yankees hitters. I think they're pitching. They, they just signed Radon in the offseason. Uh, I think they're starting pitching as long as uh, Garrett Cole doesn't have to face Devers every time because Devers is Garrett Cole's poppy. I sit sure. there and they, I, I, I'm, their pitching staff is, is, not, too, is not too bad. They're hitters. Just, they, they, have a, they have a lot of injuries in their, their pitching staff. Yes. That guy, they just, they, what's his name? Uh, Talion? They traded for him from uh, Oakland last year. Oh. There's Manoa. And... Anyway, they, they, yeah. they gave him that big, or they, they got him. Um, yeah, Sean. Yeah. Sean, yeah, Sean Monero, uh, Monero. Manoa. And, um, yeah. 
but yeah, Cole, Cole and Rodon are gonna are gonna be the the anchors of that uh, rotation. Rodon, though, he he's amazing. He gets hurt a lot, so yeah, they put a full season together. Cole doesn't face Devers one time. Yeah, I think they win a hundred games, but it's a lot. But yeah, their their offensive is kind of it's it's hit or miss. They're gonna hit the home run or they're gonna strike out. Um, John Carlo could strike out you know fifteen times in fifteen at bats, but then jack twenty straight home runs and you know it is what it is. Yeah, uh, I think the two most exciting teams uh, behind Toronto to watch this season will be Boston and Baltimore. I agree. Uh, Boston is going to be that lineup where you watch because of what magic can happen this year. And Baltimore is because they got the, hey, we don't care. We're a bunch of young guys that will just go out and have fun and win while doing it. So, uh, man, I love I love the AOE standings we have. But uh, we got a few questions. That need to be answered. Question number one was uh, from another podcast, Inside the Sox podcast. Uh, He asked us, do you guys think Valdez will crack the opening day roster? Now, earlier we were were talking and giving our, our other guys to fill out our roster for opening day. I really, really think Valdez has a really uh, good reason to make that opening day roster. Valdez so far in spring training played all five games, seven at-bats, three runs, two hits, one home run, one RBI, uh, four walks, but also he has four strikeouts. Batting 286. Oh, on base percentage of 5.45, so he's patient, but he also will strike out. But that glove, that glove helps him tremendously. I honestly can say, if he is not on the opening day roster, he should get called up by spring training, uh, All Star break, All Star break, and. He, he, he might be a part of the team, especially if uh, somebody goes down, you know, God forbidden, if Arroyo gets hurt or if Kike gets hurt, uh, Mondesi might not be ready. He could definitely get that, get the call up real quick. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he'll be, he'll crack the roster outside of spring training personally not because he doesn't he's not doing well i just think we have just too many pieces that we can't send down right now we got it we got to figure out but he'll be up by all-star break i think and i think um depending how things go he could be the starting second baseman or you know i think he'll get slotted in there or if kk struggles or gets hurt throw him in shortstop but i mean he's had i think he had 22 home runs combined in 2021 and then uh I think it was 35 or 36 last year between the uh, the three leagues he played in and like 107 RBIs. He has a power um, and he doesn't really, he actually hits pretty decent, you know, as far as average. Um, last year he hit 296 across the three leagues. 
296, 35 home runs, and 107 RBIs. I'll take that all day. I mean, I hated to see Vasquez go, but it's nice to get a piece back from the Astros like him, especially with our uncertainty with uh, Mondesi. He's coming back from an ACL injury. That might that might not work out. Trevor Story's a question mark for this season. Um, best case, he comes back, you know, late in the season. Worst case, he's not out at all. Arroyo gets hurt. GK gets hurt. Hell, Devers gets hurt. Uh, I think uh, we could do a lot. And I'm pretty sure he has. He could play left field. I think he's third baseman, second baseman, and has left field in his repertoire. Yeah. Man, uh, watching the spring training, not, uh, not to get off topic a little bit, but watching spring training, and, and we're going to be talking about this on the next episode, you know, who we think the, the breakout star is going to be from spring training. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna each highlight a player, and man, there is so many. If you look at the like we have a problem with our middle infield now, with injuries. But man, you look two three years from now, you know, you got Valdez, Fitzgerald, uh, Rafaela, Rafaela, uh, Nick Sogard, uh. Man, we got we got a lot of people. Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton's that guy that people don't know about or don't talk about. Like, we're gonna have a problem in a couple of years, but it's we're gonna have too many pe- people to play that middle infield. And right. I, I love that idea. So, shout out to to the to them to sit there and. Inside the pod, inside the Sox podcast, for asking that question. Our yeah, next question, it. we got, of course, this guy is from Canada, Christopher Butt, and he sits there and asks, "Why are the Blue Jays so much better than the Red Sox?" So you want to take this? Or you want to go first? I'll go first, just because the Blue Jays, unlike the Red Sox. They can they can withstand an injury, and they have that next man up mentality, where, man, they have just so much talent on their roster. Where, they can they can go and get an injury. Uh, last year, I think that man, they sit there and they had so many people that they traded away a few, but man, they had like four or five outfielders that could play multiple positions. And the vibe in Toronto. Don't get me wrong. Boston knows how to party. But up there in Toronto, man, they're they got that young core that they got as as our man Jared Carabas says, Vladdy Wagon. Man, he's out there with that big donk, crushing home runs. You got you got Bo Bichette. Uh, who who else do they have up there still? Uh, Kirk, their catcher. Yeah, Kirk. They traded for Merrifield last year. They signed Kevin Kiermeyer in the offseason. Um, yeah, I mean their lineup that, from top to bottom is insane, and then their pitching backs it up too. They just signed Chris Bassett. Um, Gosman's been unreal for them. Alec Manoa. Manoa. Yeah, we screwed that up. Alec Manoa is actually on the Toronto. That's what was screwing me up. Um. But uh, they're just complete across the board. Um, they have the bullpen. They have, like I said, just top to bottom. 
lineup is scary as hell. And they're and they're starting rotation. They don't need to score a lot of runs, but they're gonna score a lot of runs. And they have the rotation to to strike guys out, eat the innings, go out for seven innings, kick it to the bullpen. Um, they're gonna be a fucking problem. Yeah, I, I I they are they are better than the Red Sox. So I'll come out and say that. Um, but as we know, being better on paper doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna win the World Series. You know, look at the 2012 Red Sox before it all went to shit. I mean, they won the series the next year, but you know, the Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, you know, stuff like that. You got the best, you know, players on the paper, but they got to come out and they got to perform. But they've shown they can perform. Whit Merrifield wasn't the player that he was in Kansas City. And I think he comes out and has a, another uh, comeback year. I think he could be comeback player of the year. He'll go out and steal 35, 40 bases and hit you 20 home runs. Um, I think he's going to be an issue. They just got Varsho from, uh, from uh, Arizona. So, and he, he can play catcher and he plays outfield and he, and he does, he hits for average, he hits for power and Kirk, he, uh, he came out of nowhere last year. I think he had like 16 home runs, 87 RBIs or 67 RBI, something like that. Um, their lineup is very scary. Their rotation's scary. Their bullpen can hold it together. So, uh, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to facing them, but thank God we're not playing, you know, pacing each AL East team 19 times like we did before with the schedule changes and. You know, switch everything up, but hands down, very scary lineup. Man, and and you didn't even mention uh, Brandon Belt. Yeah, you you haven't mentioned Chapman. Yeah, Vladdy. You know, I don't even. I mean, I don't need to. I don't even need to mention Vladdy. That's he's a goddamn given. Uh, Biggio. Yep. Like they got George Springer. Yep. Like Toronto. The lineup's unreal, man is unreal and people like i always wondered what are they going to do to keep that intact because bachette's going to want to get paid biggio's going to get paid vladdy's going to want to get paid but then i go and look, and look at the san diego padres throwing money left and right and i'm like well that's how you sit there and keep your core you know, you sign unreal contracts. Yep. So, but man. Yeah, I, I don't understand what the hell they're doing, but I I wish the Red Sox would take a page out of their book like they did back you know, back in the day. I hate to be the guy that's like, yo, I want my team to spend money, but I want my team to spend fucking money. Yeah. And, well, the number one topic all this season is going to be where's Otani going? How much is Otani going to cost? And I'm going to end up getting tired of it by May. I'm already tired of it. I'm already tired yeah. of it. I think uh, I think he goes uh, to the Mets or the Padres. I think the Mets and Padres both offer him over 500 mil. Um, and the Padres even said, even if they sign Otani in two years, they plan on offer like breaking the bank again for Soto when he's up for an extension before his opt out. I. I think Otani goes to San Diego or uh, New York Mets. Hey, I, I love how he went and the sponsorship with New Balance now. That's a that's a Boston home. I would love for him to come. I would love for him. I I would obviously be fucking stoked if he came, but I don't see John Henry uh, shelling out five six hundred million. I, I just no. don't see it. 
So, well, I guys, we end up on the Yankees. Oh, anybody with the Yankees. But guys, this is uh, this is another great episode in the books. Make sure you head right over to the YouTube, search the Pesky Podcast, and subscribe, where you can sit there and watch our podcast live. We're gonna be having some guests on soon. Uh, hey, hit hit the subscribe button. Tell everybody about us. A few topics we're gonna be talking about in the next episode. We're gonna be talking about Heim Bloom and how safe is his job. We're gonna be talking about spring training. We're gonna highlight somebody that caught our eye in spring training so far. And also, we're going to do a little fantasy baseball where DC and I are going to go back and forth. And we are going to put together a fantasy baseball team with the Boston Red Sox players only. This and so much more. Make sure you check us out and download. DC, any final thoughts? I got nothing, man. Enjoy the weekend. Episode four will also be uh, will be done this weekend, so look out for those. Like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. See you again. Hey, my final thought is, man, why won't why won't, why won't the women listen to our podcast? My woman refuses to. Hey, like, my wife on. does, but she doesn't at the same time. I, I, just give me a little support. Like, I'm like a brawl. I, I'm there to support you. Come help me out. But guys, see us next time on the Pex, Pesky Podcast. Peace. Deuces.